everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Backpack. Thank you again for your company. Uh, I'm here, Nathan Gould, alongside Lazarus Gremos. Laz, it's a pleasure to sit down once again with you to talk football. And oh. what a week it is to talk about football. There's been so much going on. Always a pleasure, Nathan. Always a pleasure. And it has been a huge week. And uh, hello to all the backpackers down there, out there, listening. Where shall we start, Laz? Where shall we start? There is so week, many Nathan. stories, so many angles, so many stories from all over the world to cover off this week. And uh, I don't know. I think the biggest one would be for Australian football, for world football, uh-huh. is the World Cup in 2030. Been a big week, hasn't it? Mm. Been a big week. Look, we can start there if you like. I mean, because we always start with the European club football. And Well, let's start with football in the local scene. You actually went and saw... MacArthur versus Dynamic Herb. That's what I'll call it. I mean, Seabury United, but yes, yes you actually braved um, you, you braved it down at Campbelltown. It was a nice, cool evening, but you, at least you actually uh, made the effort and went down. I couldn't due to an unforeseen prior commitment that I'd agreed to, which uh, family obligations, but there you go. But because um, <laughs> I'd wanted to come down because um, <laughs> we did discuss this, but uh, only because of the team name, I wanted to see Dynamic Herb. Mm. And what they were about, but uh, effectively, they're a pub team. Yeah, I mean, MacArthur lost to Campbelltown City in the Australia Cup a month ago, and they put eight past Dynamic Herb, so I don't know how an NPL 1 team will go against Dynamic Herb, maybe an NPL 2 2 team, Uh we'll never know. But yeah, I mean, it was a good game in the sense that it was just fun to see some football live again. I, and, what, I was going to say, I wonder what Dwight York would have made of uh, Dynamic Herb Seabrook. <laughs> Do they, uh, that, they would probably fall under whatever qualifies for a pub team. I don't know what you call a team. It's not good enough to be a pub team. but uh... and, and, and hence the reference, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, they got battered. And yeah. I mean, the second half was a bit of a non-event because the Villa went off at halftime. Uh-huh. Second half was a two-all draw, which I suppose is a good result for them. Uh-huh. That would have been the halftime team talk from from the manager for Dynamic Herb. It's nil nil. Go and show me what you can do. And yeah, they showed right. some things in the second half, hmm. but a good result for the Bulls and a good result for the Mariners as well. When yes, nine one yep. in their first oh, yeah. home game of the yeah. competition. And Laz, I think these Australian teams are to be feared in this comp- in this AFC Cup. Mm. How did Melbourne City fare, Nathan? They won in the Champions League. That's, that's right. So away in China. And and the reason why I say uh, ask that is or say that is because or point that out is because of not only the AFC Cup but obviously you know Mel- uh, Melbourne City FC have uh, had a good run in, in recent seasons and they seem to be handling this Asian Champions League campaign well so far as well. Well, the expectation is for them to get out of the group, well, they and should. they absolutely should. Yeah, and I think in any given season, an A League team getting out of a group can be marked as a success. Agree. Anything beyond that's a bonus, and that comes back to the difference in resources and everything else. And well, I think Australian football is recovering a little bit from uh, our standing in Asia, which took a hit because we didn't play in Asia for a few years for the pandemic. Correct. That's why two teams are in the AFC Cup, not the Champions League, as we would uh-huh. normally expect, uh-huh. because people may know the uh, UEFA coefficients are over a five-year period. Yeah. The Asian coefficients are over a 10-year period. So we're going to be yeah. feeling the effect of this three-year COVID hiatus yeah. Yeah. for some time. But also, I think it's an opportunity for the Bulls or for the Mariners to make a deep run in a competition. Probably should win this competition, one of them. Yeah. They can't both make it past a quarterfinal. No, that's right. Due to the format, there'll be a, a Southeast Asian winner, so to right. speak. Yeah. 
Yeah. But whoever does come out of that, and I expect it to be one of the two Alex sides, mm-hmm. they should be looking to go and win this whole thing. And it would be something to celebrate. A triumphant team in Asia. Yes, it's the equivalent of the Europa League, but still. Mm-hmm. Still there's nothing to sniff at. Yeah, I agree with you. And I after, I mean, the fluke of Western Sydney, of course, put that aside, it's been pretty tough pr- pretty tough for A-League teams in Asia. Oh, smacks of the Wanderers, the fluke of <laughs> Western Sydney Wanderers. I mean, I mean, ugh, amazing moment, yes. Mm. Well, deserved over two leagues, mind you. Yeah, they got battered over in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, not on the scoreboard, though, where it counts. Not like on the scoreboard, of course, yes. But uh, sort of what I'm getting at, you play it's that like- game. Yeah, take that. 50 you know, times. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> how, many, how many turn out to be a favourable result for, for Western Sydney? Not many. Something tells me you just want to stick it to the Wanderers supporters. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> you know, causing a bit of controversy, but um, hey, that's all fine. That's all fine. Mm-hmm. So red and black block, if you, uh, you're still around and you want to have a go, <laughs> feel free to hit us up on Instagram or X. Mm, bit of friendly jobs. No, nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but uh, yes, uh, look, it has been a big week, and it is a big week for Australian football, even though we weren't expecting it to be, given the, what was announced in the last uh, 24 hours. Yeah, and I dare say that there would have been some warning signs behind closed doors in terms of what was coming out, mm. and there would have been some something in the pipeline, I'm sure. You would like but to think so. You would like I to would think like so. to think so. Yeah. But it has been confirmed that the 2030 World Cup is going to be Across six countries, which we'll come on to in a moment. It's gone to your favourite bid. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Not really. Come on, I was expecting it to be a bit more, well, you know. Mm. Fired up about this, Nathan. Come on, no, come on. It's a joke. It is a joke. It is a joke. Listen. All right, we're on it now. We're on it now. No, I was going to put it on the back burner. No, then talk no, about no, no, 34 and come back it. to it. But no, we have to we'll, talk we'll about this now. We'll come back to 34, but, you know, like El mm. Presidente has spoken, <laughs> got his way. The executive committee has decided, and FIFA, in their infinite wisdom, have decided um, to award the World Cup, the 2030 World Cup, to six countries, effectively. <laughs> Across three continents. Yeah. Although, all that's happening is that three of the group games, I'm guessing, yeah. are effectively just going to be played in one in Argentina, one in Uruguay. And one in Paraguay. Yes, and all three teams will <sighs> automatically qualify. Mate, Whoever uh, their opponents are will get dragged over to South America. No, FIFA's taking the piss. They are. And look, and it's a little bit of a compensation, I suppose, for lack what? of a better word, for this no, for this bid, because I don't think they were going to win the bid. No, they won't. I, but, th- uh, and that's why they've done it. because. But FIFA should have turned around and said, guys, 2030, South America, that's yeah, it. That's what they should have done. They should, like, okay, I mean, the romanticism. Do I have a problem, you know, with other countries trying to bid for it? Not at all. But even to give them, to give them a – this is going to be the token World Cup. You get a game. You get a game. <laughs> That's right. Everyone gets a game. <laughs> <laughs> Oprah Winfrey may as well run FIFA, for goodness sakes. But, <laughs> well, this is – you know, this is just bizarre because why not actually have – if you're going to do the split over six countries – why not actually make it a substantial split? And and if you like, if you're going to the trouble of doing this, right? Why not have three groups out of those countries? Well, FIFA have tried to have their cake and eat it too. Well, fuck, they're the only organisation that can. Yeah, 
because <laughs> yeah. oh, I mean we've already the... gone on a see if ten minutes in and we're already becoming an E-rated episode. <laughs> like, you this week? <laughs> well, you know, it didn't take much to it. <laughs> no, FIFA drags it out of us. I think. Well, uh, you know, hey, look, I, I'm thankful for FIFA, but some of the you know the act organisation because okay, they've given us some great moments, but some of the decision making just leaves you scratching your head, and I really mm. don't get what the benefit of really if you're going to do it this way do it to uruguay not argentina and say argentina paraguay parking park you right there's two groups coming out of uruguay because that's where the first world cup was hosted yep and that's why they're getting three games is because fifa want the money bid so to speak with spain portugal morocco and they also want the sentimental angle too to include those south american countries which it's ridiculous but i don't like the idea of the split i think What's the point? It's just two separate tournaments at that at that point. I don't mind it, but take no. it seriously. Look, no, I don't. Just I don't mind give it. South America twenty thirty. No, sure, I agree with you. Yes, fundamentally, that's what it should be. But I did tell you, Nathan, that this was not going to happen because of twenty twenty six. I don't. That twenty twenty six shouldn't have a bearing on twenty thirty. No, I agree. Right, but it is the same continent, even though it's split in north and south in football terms, and you know. Right, North and Central. Uh, I, I, together, I, you know why? Oh. Just because the second word is America. Oh yes, that's really yeah. It does come down to semantics. Even though they're completely separate confederations. Confederations. A hundred percent. I don't say it. if if you come at it from the angle of the broadcasters, perhaps because oh. it's the same time zones. Not exactly, but there's a lot of overlap between North America and South America. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Whoever is getting the prime time games at four o'clock in the morning. But uh, would it be Europe? I don't know. Maybe there's a problem with having two World Cups in the same time zone in a row. But I don't think just because you give one to North America, you can't give the next one to South America. Just answered your own question. Just just because they seem to be on the same continent, like time zones. Why can't time zones and, and TV broadcast times? But we had that with 06 and 2010. It was Europe and then South Africa. Hang on a second. Same time zone. Whoa, 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 whoa. The African time zone serves Europe. I know this sounds very very bad, doesn't it, when I say it like that? But that's, <laughs> but that's <laughs> but it serves the European market. Shit, that even sounds worse. <laughs> <laughs> what market are you talking about, Lars? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, so that's where, you know, and likewise Qatar and, you know, the European Middle East, mm-hmm. all those time zones. And Africa all service one another. So hence why the 2030 bid was going to fail. Hmm. You've answered your own question. Yeah. And the only reason 26 is in North America is because FIFA are making it up to the US for them Balls, not having 22 or 18, whichever one it was. Yeah. <laughs> both. It was both. <laughs> yeah. Well, one was for England and one was for America. Well, the United States wanted both, right? So Yeah. So we're still dealing with the consequences of having... Blatter. The Qatar and the Russia World Cup and Sepp Blatter and that mire that happened, what, 13 years ago? Was it 2010? Yeah. 2010, yeah. Or 2011, yeah. yeah. And we get this six-country mess of a 2030 World Cup. It's it is a mess. Gianni's weak. Well, okay, maybe he's not weak, but they've they've opted a, ridic- a ridiculous decision only because of we're going to go and play one game in Uruguay, one game in Argentina, or one game in Paraguay. Put groups in there, and that's it. And actually play it properly. If you're going to do it, do it properly. And do it properly. I don't want to see the whole uh, tournament. It's yeah. all or nothing. It's no, no, be not all the whole nothing. tournament. Listen, I have no problem with them splitting it this way. 
either. I don't. I, I do. I do. I do. No, I, I, I don't. I don't. Right. Is it unconventional? Sure. But a lot of things are unconventional. Right. So why not? If you're going to experiment, this is to a good be fair. What, what is conventional with the World Cup anymore? Exactly. So if you're going to, we're going to go to 48 <laughs> nations, right? So why not have yeah. half the tournament in South America and half the tournament in you know, and then decide that okay, well, we're going to play a quarter final in Argentina, a quarter final, you know, and do it that way, and then the rest can be in Spain. Nah, because there's not enough games for the entirety of Spain, Portugal, and Morocco. Okay, how many stadiums do you? Th- okay, without obviously going into the nitty gritty of it, because it hasn't come out, right? We don't know how many cities in Spain are going to host, how many in Portugal are going to host, and how many in Morocco. So the format we think they're going for now is eight groups of six. No, 12 groups of four. Is it 12 groups of four now, is it? Correct. Okay. So how do you divvy that up? Is it... How do you divvy that up? Two groups per so, country? So you'll have, yes, two groups per country. That's how you would do that. But you're not going to have that. <laughs> so hang on. <laughs> See, this is the stupid thing. Argentina are going to play one game. Let's say Argentina, Paraguay. They, okay, they, they all become hosts in Uruguay, right? So they get to play one game at home and the other two on the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Just put those groups there, which is what, hey, no. and, and I'll call it now. That's what's going to happen. No, oh, I can't see it. I can see it. Oh. It's got to be all or nothing. I don't mind multi-country bids when they're close to each other. I don't mind it. Like Australia, New Zealand, North America, 26. Sure, I don't mind it. And I think it's a necessity of expanding the tournament. No, but this but is but one this game. Is absurd. I'm sorry. One game is ridiculous. It so, should be happening in any case. Don't split the tournament over different continents. Well, you're going to do that between miles Europe and apart. Africa. You're doing that yeah. between Europe and Africa. Okay, yes. Yeah, but there's a bit of a difference between Spain and Morocco versus sure. Spain and Argentina. Correct, right. But I don't mind if you're doing that, right? But you need to... You, you need to just like do a group out of there rather than Argentina versus Ivory Coast, for instance, Uruguay versus Australia, and you know Paraguay versus Senegal, and that's it. And I'll tell you what. Let's go. Whoever, let's go back to Spain. Yeah, whoever Argentina, Uruguay, and Paraguay are playing in those three matches, they're going to get battered. Of course they are, because they're going to have a warm up camp in Spain, Portugal, or Morocco. Fly down to South America for one game, completely different climate, and then come back. Listen, cli- cli- you know, from a climate perspective, don't forget it'll be the winter here because it's the Southern Hemisphere, right? So it'll be mm. as it is here in Sydney or Melbourne or Perth or wherever it is, right? So and it will be peak summer in yeah Spain. In, in Spain, correct? Which this year they got forty-five degree days, correct? Yep. Which is they did. Uh, that's why I say they're going to get battered going down there. And look, the group stage is going to get a bit diluted anyway when you expand the tournament. Right, you're not going to get Argentina against England in the group stage or a, or an equivalent depends, game. Depends depends where England is. But yes, no, <laughs> yeah. I take your point. <laughs> Maybe may a bad example. <laughs> no, I take your point. So it's going to be a, a relatively nothing game anyway. No, I, I think it's disgraceful. Cool. And, and, and yeah. it's disgraceful in the sense that it's so tokenistic that you may as well either not do it at all or just do it properly. And Yeah, all, keep, all or know. nothing. Yeah, no, well, not all or nothing. I, like That's I said, I sit with you it. and I disagree with it, all right? Mm. I, I understand where you're coming from, and I totally, look, fundamentally, I'm with you with regards to that. But if you're going to go to the trouble of, my point is, if you're going to the trouble of doing this, do it properly. Put groups out of those countries, play it, and then, you know what? Give them, like, I think it's, you know, five days travel, right, from South America to Morocco or Spain or Portugal for acclimatizing, and then that's it, and play the rest of the tournament out of there. 
the knockout phase. Finished. But do it properly. Yeah. Anyway, Laz, why do we think FIFA will go into this trouble? Because it surely is not just 20, 30, the case 20, 30, of... 2034. Yeah, that's what, we, that's that's what, what we're the, moving that, towards here. That's what the cynic tells me. Because I think if FIFA omitted hosting games in Paraguay, Uruguay, Argentina for 2030, then the worst someone's ever going to say is, oh, it's a bit of a shame. I don't think FIFA has the needle moved for a bit of a shame. Oh, that would have been nice. I don't think that moves the needle for FIFA whatsoever. Look, I don't want to be cynical, Nathan. I will be. I know you will be, and you're too young to be cynical, right? (laughs) 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 No, but I fear that the 2034 World Cup has already decided. It has. It has, because this 2030 configuration, whatever you want to call it, knocks out Europe for 2034 and 38, knocks out Africa, knocks out South America. North America is knocked out because they host in 2026. You're not allowed to host the two World Cups after when you host it. So all that's left is Asia and Oceania. Yes, which is... For 2034. Which is interesting to note that Oceania was mentioned now. It's only been mentioned because it's factual. Yes. Not for anything more than that. Yes. I'm inclined to agree with you there as well. I'm hoping that's not the case that it's just fact purely on factual and that it's an insight into what they are thinking because um, effectively the bidding process for 2030 is over because of executive decision made by FIFA. What's to say that 2034 is not going through a similar process and that there will be a there'll be something worked out with regards to it. In particular, um, you know, a bit of an understanding between the AFC and the OFC and I think with regards to that, that there could be, I know this is going to you know, sound silly, but part of me actually thinks that there could be a four-nation solution to hosting the 2034 World Cup, two of which include Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> what, uh, Saudi Arabia and... Yep, and there'll be another I one. mean, if you're okay with splitting the 2030 World Cup between Spain and Argentina, then what's the difference... And this is where between the, East and West Asia. Exactly. And this is where the precedent <laughs> is being set. Oh. Don't be surprised if an in, if the likes of an India gets uh you know involved in this, like you know, invited to do something with this World Cup 2034. China. China. I don't know about China, but Probably not. I, but I think India could be on the cards, along with Saudi. Yeah. Because it's also a little bit of a slap in the face that you're hosting twenty thirty in six countries. Uh-huh with massive infrastructure and massive football population bases and everything else uh-huh. to then go and host 2034 in Saudi Arabia in and of itself. That's right. And Correct. the idea that you need 15, 16 stadiums uh-huh. to put it in one country, uh-huh. well, Saudi Arabia have the money, they can do it, obviously. Correct. But look at 2026 and there's 16 stadia. Mm. Well, the talk is you need somewhere in the region of 14 to 18. Yeah. Well, there you go. Right. So, and we can't do it ourselves alongside New Zealand without cooperation from the other codes and using cricket grounds. Well, Melbourne is missing out, guaranteed. Yep. Sorry, Melbourne. You are that, that's a fact. So it'll be Sydney, Brisbane, right? Um, Auckland, and then that uh, might be it. Might, and that'll be it because it's a minimum seating requirement too, forty thousand. Correct. Wellington, so might unless... get, Wellington might get a look in. Right. Unless you try and get a game at the Adelaide Oval, maybe. Or Perth. Just or yeah, or Perth or Optus Stadium. Mm. There's their weekly mention. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Perth, Perth Perth is a possible Perth is a real possibility. Mm. Different time zone too. Yeah. Uh, that's why I don't see mm. Melbourne 
jumping in. See, I mentioned during the week that this is the best chance Australia will ever have to host the World Cup. Yep, so we've got to because take it b- and lump it. B- by definition, it is, because it's going to be in Asia no matter what. It's either Asia by itself or Asia with Oceania take on. And it's disappointing to see the AFC come out and support a Saudi bid on day one. I'm not surprised. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm surprised, but I would have thought they would have been okay with a bit of a, a head-to-head battle in uh-huh. terms of bids because right. Asia's going to host it anyway. It doesn't matter. I think what works in Australia's favour and New Zealand's favour is the fact that we that, that we did do such a really good job with the Women's World Cup. And I think FIFA would be keen to try and integrate that that IP into this 2034 World Cup. See, if Australia is going to team up with New Zealand and maybe some Southeast Asian countries as well, be it Malaysia, Singapore, maybe Indonesia, if they can sort some, sort some things out, um, then to go head-to-head with Saudi Arabia, then it's difficult. There's it such a juggernaut on the other side. It won't be a head-to-head. It won't, I, I don't see it. It may be initially a head-to-head, but I can actually see a, a worked solution somehow. I don't see Saudi hosting it on its own. Look, it could happen, right? I mean, Qatar hosted it, so Saudi would want to show that they can host it as well, right? Yeah, and it'd be bigger and more teams and more stadiums. And It's got to be bigger than Qatar, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that, it's yeah. that simple, right? Um, but, yeah, it's... Oh, I can see somehow this a solution somehow being worked between you know various um, you know stakeholders to try and get this um, this world the 2034 World Cup across you know a few you know three or four different countries. The thing is, if it was to be a head-to-head bid, I'm just trying to work out in my mind where the votes would go because the other confederations, assuming a democratic process, which is an assumption, not uh-huh. a guarantee, uh-huh. um, where the votes would go. I imagine it, they would vote as a confederation. So m- pretty much everyone in Europe would vote for the same bid, whichever way that is, mm. South America, North America, they're all the same, right? Yeah, it's a bit different, I think, now. I'm not, I'm not quite sure how that would work out, but I don't think it will work out like that. The thing is, Europe won't vote for a Saudi Arabia World Cup. No, they won't. They won't, because it would be in November, December. Correct. And the big European clubs are still feeling the effects of the Qatar World Cup, and it's too recent in the memory for that to be smoothed over. I can't see them voting for a a November-December World Cup. I think Saudi's going to happen. It's just a question of how. Well, there's only one way to do it. And if Australia can, and New Zealand can help foster that as well, along with the likes of India. Yeah, you can see it happening there, can't you now? Because right now, think about it, Nathan, as much as we'd like to have Australia and New Zealand host the Men's World Cup, I don't think that we can provide 16, between Australia and New Zealand, 16 stadia. No, and that's where the suggestion to team up with Malaysia and Singapore came from. Which makes sense, but, and that could still be on the cards. Mm. You could have a Malaysia or Singapore join Australia, New Zealand, Saudi, and not India. This is, I don't like it, but I think that provided the Saudi Arabians would welcome co-hosting a tournament, because I'm sure they'd want to do it themselves, because they want to show that they're bigger and better than Qatar. Of course. I don't know if they'd be open to co-hosting it with wait other see, countries. But... Wait, wait till you see fly Saudi everywhere, because yeah. nobody will be able to object to the Saudi Arabia national airline being a, becoming a partner all of a sudden. Yeah, of course. Or the Saudi tourist office like there was in the Women's mm. World Cup, which quite rightly, yes, but this is a different kettle of fish altogether. Because the point is, if Australia don't, if Australia aren't successful in a 2034 bid in whatever shape or form it is, if the bottom line it says zero games hosted in, in Australia, I don't see it happening in my lifetime. It won't if it doesn't happen 
Well, look, you're still quite young. Won't happen. No, I don't see it. It won't happen in my lifetime, but it may well happen in your lifetime. Because and again, of... I'm hoping to outlive you anyway. <laughs> uh, because Asia is automatically ruled out for 38 and 42. Correct, yeah. So one of them you would expect to go to Europe. One of them you'd expect to go to South America, perhaps. Oh, mate, I, I'm just, re- just, 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 just let me flesh this out a bit. Yeah, no, go. But this cross let, me, let me flesh this out a bit. Yeah, go on. So I think South Europe, South America would be in line for, what is it, 38 and 42, 46, maybe North America, 50 perhaps would be the next one in Asia, right? And then by that time, surely South Korea, Japan would fancy taking one on again. Sounds reasonable and logical to me. And, and then and it'd that be another be... 12 years after that, and then mm. again and again, and all of a sudden you're looking at 2080. But see, 2050 might be the, the way, I can't believe I'm saying this, 2050 might be the <laughs> way to go, right? Because if South Korea and Japan were to want to host, and there was an appetite for it, uh, I could see Singapore and Australia then jumping in and perhaps New Zealand because the time zones would work okay, even though and yeah. the, you know, the weather is different. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of was expecting a little bit more support from the East Asian side of the Confederation for a no potential <laughs> Australia-New Zealand bid. I think Australia have 25 days, if I'm not mistaken, to actually, Australia-New Zealand have 25 days to signal their intent. Yes, right? it's not submit a full, fully fleshed Correct. out bid. Yep. It's just to confirm that they're interested. Now, I think they will say that they're interested, and then I think the negotiations will start mm. one way or another. Because also... I wouldn't want to see Australia throw some money at a bid like they did in the previous process, just to come away with one vote in crud. what effectively is a <laughs> I shouldn't say that. A process for the sake of a process. I was gonna say you had crud, but it's K Rudd, right? Um <laughs> Um, you know, throwing money at it and likewise you had um oh geez, mental blank. Another prime minister throw money at it as well, right? Who really mm. wasn't, you know, who really wasn't a fan of the game anyway. Um and that's why Australia, you know, went with some naivety with regards to um, to that World Cup bid. Malcolm Turnbull, we were, we were Malcolm, never Turnbull was, Malcolm Turnbull mm. was the one I was thinking of, sorry. We were never name. winning that World Cup bid in 2018 uh, or 22. We are never going to win it. Even if you take Qatar or Russia, whichever one mm, it was, I don't remember, mm, out of the race, mm, we still wouldn't have won it. It would have gone to England or the US. So it was a waste of time and money from the get-go. And I'd hate to see something similar play out for 34 when Football Australia needs as much money as it can get for the domestic game. And I would expect Football Australia to be aware that there is so much time and resources that goes into a World Cup bid, and I would expect them to be very cautious when it comes to a process and have some assurance that it actually is possible if we are to go up against the Saudi bid, if that's the direction they want to take, that there is actually a fair shot at the bid being successful. Whether or not it's realistic is a separate question, but whether or not it is just having some competition for the sake of it and being... And providing the illusion of it being a competition, and that's why Nathan, I given the difference in people administering the game now as compared to when the previous bid occurred for the men's World Cup, and now the experience of having hosted the women's World Cup, uh, I can see that a potential solution may be worked on between. Saudi, Australia, New Zealand, and another country to be determined. I think think, that's the only way that we're going to be able to host the game. And I think FIFA will try and engender that as well, actually, because I think FIFA, given what... I think they were surprised with how well the Women's World Cup went. Yeah, I think so too. You know, 
Uh, and I think that's going to be, and I noticed that the president of the Saudi Football Federation was here during the Women's World Cup um, So for quite an extensive period of time. So, yeah, I think that, and look, we're, we're delving into the world of, yes, football business, but also football politics. And I think that um, this is kind, This is being fleshed out very gently and diplomatically at the moment. Nobody was expecting the move with 2030, the way that it's played out. And that's why no. I'm kind of thinking that uh, this multinational hosting of the World Cup in years to come will be the way that it goes. I think, like, yes, with the exception of a potential Saudi Arabia entirely, entire bid, like one country bid, I think pretty much every World Cup is going to be across multiple countries moving forward. Yeah. yeah. I think to, to ask one country to host 48 teams yeah. is too much. And if America can't do it, then well, nobody can. Well, that's right. And that, and that's where yeah. I think that, and that's where I think that um, this is going to be played out. Now, Saudi may decide to go with other countries in the AFC, but I think that FIFA would be really willing, would be willing to push the Australian New Zealand Barra. And they would want to have Oceania host a World Cup or be a co-host because it's never happened before. And New Zealand really is the only country that you can put it in. New Zealand is a co-host and Australia will become a co-host. And just thinking about it, Saudi Arabia have been open to co-hosting a tournament in the past. They were one of three with Greece and Egypt. Greece and Egypt, correct, which that kind of died a sudden death. Yes, and I think that was a mess to begin with, as was Spain, Portugal, and Ukraine. Well, yeah, the Ukraine thing was... For different reasons, yes, but equally messy. But it basically opened up the way for Morocco to join Spain and Ukraine as well. Yeah, and Spain, Portugal, uh, Spain and Portugal. Morocco is... <laughs> yes, <laughs> we know what you meant. <laughs> Thank God you guys know what I meant. <laughs> uh, Spain, Portugal, Morocco makes sense. It I've makes got, a lot of sense. I've got too much Saudi versus Saudi Arabia versus Qatar on my mind after the last 24 hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll come on to that. <laughs> I don't know when, but we're definitely coming on to that. <laughs> Oh, you bet your ass they were coming onto that. <laughs> I'm not going to let that one go. No, we, we, we've spent half an hour on the first story. <laughs> um, but look, we'll see. There's going to be a lot of stories coming out over the next few weeks regarding this. As you mentioned, Les, mm-hmm. they've got less than a month to confirm their interest, Football Australia. Oh, okay. Put yourself in the CEO's shoes or the chairman's shoes. Mm. What do you do? Don't mind if I do. It's pretty yeah, comfy no. up here. Go ahead. Fantastic. <laughs> so, so Nathan Gould, chairman of Football Australia, what do you do? Your board recommends, you know, that, hey, the board votes, let's do it, or you have the casting vote as the chair. I think it is possible for a Southeast Asian stroke Australian New Zealand bid to go head-to-head with Saudi Arabia and win. I think it's possible. Okay. Because I think you can lobby Europe uh-huh. to vote against Saudi Arabia. Uh-huh. You, Africa would Africa you, would be difficult. Yeah, I was going to say. And you need well, Africa has a lot of power when it comes to deciding World Cup hosts. Correct. So why not try and find a political solution? And if the board says to you, Nathan, we give you authority, delegated authority to act on Football Australia's behalf to try and foster a political, political, politically negotiated situation along with our fellow AFC member which is Saudi Arabia, what are you saying? Uh, no, let, let me finish my first point because I think if there was a genuine Australia-New Zealand, maybe Malaysia-Singapore bid uh, up against Saudi Arabia, if it was a democratic process, I think it would be a lot closer than people would give credit because I think Europe could be convinced, 
Saudi Arabian time zones is not great for North America. It'll be early morning games and afternoon games are at five in the morning or something in, in the in the States. So for a broadcaster, I think what we did for the Women's World Cup, hosting games at say twelve, one, two o'clock in the more in the afternoon, our time works for the US. In this hypothetical scenario, I would like to imagine that Asia would be fairly split east and west. I think Africa would be very difficult. Maybe South America would be difficult, but perhaps it'd be very even. Half of Asia, Europe, North America versus and Oceania versus West Asia, Africa, South America. Splitting the world into two, Nathan. We're supposed to try and bring the world together. This is the world <laughs> game. What are you doing here? <laughs> My point is that I think it's possible. Look, I agree with you, right, that if you were to go head-to-head, that it could be possible. But I would actually try and get India as well in, in the bit. You need to have a carrot of some sort, which would really get you know get these. And India is the final frontier of Asia, that the game isn't a stronghold in really. I mean, it's strong, but it's mm. not as strong as it should be or could be. So I think that would be really enticing, right? Um, but... What do you think about a negotiated solution with regards to FIFA becoming involved and saying, hey, we want Saudi, Australia, New Zealand, and another country to host? And Make it being, India. Make it India. Make it India. And that way being a solution for 2034. Would you – you'd have to You'd have to go for it's it. Not, yeah. It's not It's not an ideal, but you'd solution. have to go for it. I think if the options on the table are host zero games versus host a handful in conjunction with Saudi Arabia, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, go- I'm, I'm not choosing no games. I think Australia, I think Sydney would host the semi final. Would they, but yep, maybe. I think I think Sydney would host the semi final. Yeah, maybe. Auckland would Just, host the quarter final. Yeah, you would, would need. Host, yeah, you know. yep, and a quarter final in India, and that would be it. <clears throat> Look, that's a better option than no games at all. Correct. But I maintain that going head to head with Saudi Arabia is possible. Should be explored. Not have significant financials committed to it without assurances from FIFA. When Saudi can just, you know, kick whatever they've got in the uh, back of a gold Rolls Royce. No, but FIFA don't take bribes anymore. It's not about bribes. It's 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 about it's about the hearts and minds and communication and, and the resources that you can put into it. They can multi they can put multiple times the resources into a campaign, a PR campaign effectively, versus what we can. Which is true. And you've already seen that already with some of the players coming out and say Correct how amazing Saudi Arabia is, and I can't wait to see a World Cup in Saudi Arabia, yada, yada, yada. And I'm so well being looked after here and all that kind of stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah. Definitely not part of my contract in playing in Saudi Arabia. Stop being so cynical, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Stop being so naive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I am realist. That's what I'm saying to you. That's why I think a solution would be, you know, would would, would a negotiated solution with FIFA, because I think we've got a lot more credit with FIFA than what people think, given what was given what happened a few months ago, a couple of months ago. So yeah, it is a couple of months ago, isn't it? Jeez, it is. It's only flying. a couple of months ago. It's only a couple of months ago, and I think that's why FIFA are a bit hot to trot on it as well. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting the, that announcement the other day. No, it's come very early. Ago. It's come very early, and I think FIFA can see a that the, you know there needs to be a solution that kind of brings Saudi into the fold. And appease that, you know, and appease that scenario in line with what happened a couple, you know, a couple of months ago. All right, Lars, it's your turn to be in uh, charge of football Australia. Mm. I'll, I'll role play 
Okay. FIFA and Johnny Infantino. Sure. Oh, here we go. And... God, I'm like, no, please don't, don't do it, President. Don't, no, I can't do that. <laughs> Today I feel, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> but, okay, what it's do you... Quite, you're going to quote Shania Twain, I thought, there for a second, but okay. <laughs> All right, Les, there's an offer on the table here from FIFA. Uh-huh. Australia misses out on the 2034 World Cup entirely, uh-huh. but they get a clear path towards the 2029 Club World Cup, mm. as well as another Women's World Cup before 2040. Oh. Would you take it? Wow. Would you take the deal? Wow. That's an interesting scenario. Do you take the deal? Throw in a World Youth Cup as well. Well, under 20s? Yep. That can be arranged. They have one in New Zealand mm. uh, a little while back now. Yep. And then a and what I would suggest then after that is that there will be a commitment in writing that Australia, New Zealand, and two other Southeast Asian countries are to host the World Cup in 2050. How do you like their maples? You would need the AFC to co-sign that. Do it from now. Mm. Oh, deal. I think we just did the negotiations. Thank you very much. <laughs> Checks in the mail. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. Just send it to PO Box. <laughs> You know, but yeah, that's you know, that's what that's what you need to do. Yeah, and you know, they they want to bring the World Cup to areas that haven't been that hasn't been played before, including Oceania, this including is our, Saudi Arabia. Well, including Saudi Arabia, yes, absolutely. So, although it was in Qatar next door, and really, what they you know, they, the Qataris could have had you know, if there wasn't that issue between themselves and the Saudis, you know, they could have had something, right? Yeah, <laughs> this could have been addressed if people were for the good of the game and you know, you know, good for global citizenry and all that kind of stuff. Well, is the 2050 World Cup going to be in the Arab Emirates? Oh, now you're just being difficult, right? There's no need for that. We already <laughs> sorted this problem. <laughs> I mean, 2022 Qatar, okay, hang on a Saudi so, Arabia. Now, and this is the the thing that I fear with regard to 2034 is that Saudi might turn around and say, yeah, we'll do a standalone, but they could quite easily turn around and go to the UAE and say, listen, how about we host it together? I don't think they'd do that. They could. I don't think they would, though, because they want to be seen as a dominant power in their region. Nathan, a soft touch like that would get them so much, would do so much for their uh, reputation as far as being, oh, they want to be seen as dominant, what have you. Something like that actually is quite gentle diplomacy. I don't say it. I don't see it either. Having said that, and if you're going to be diplomatic, why not extend a hand out to the West or the East in this case? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, that's how that's, you know, I can see how, you know, FIFA might turn around and say, listen, we're prepared to give to you guys, but you've got to get UAE on board. <laughs> that could happen. Could happen. Could happen. Right. It could happen. Um, I like what the situation or the hypothetical that you proposed earlier. The 2029, another women's World Cup, throw in, you know, throw in a under 20s, both male and female World Cup as well. And then, you know, hmm. uh, undertaking for the 2050 men's World Cup. It wouldn't be a, a guarantee. I would suggest that it, that it would have to be. You want to send us, no problem. 2050 has got to be in this part of the world. And it's that's, you know, by 2050, Oceania and the South Pacific should have hosted a World Cup. You got to stick would, to your guns on that. Yeah, if you're not going to get 2034, put you know stick to your guns on that. Thing is, that it's so far out into the future, and mate, it's only 27 years away. Yeah, yeah only. Right? <laughs> it's double your existence. Okay, <laughs> that's going to fly. That's by. all I know, <laughs> and, and, and it's just going to fly by. <laughs> uh, don't say that. 
<laughs> I, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, first hand experience, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I no need to be like that. Fuck you, right? So, <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, Laz, I was going to say this is not a geopolitical show. We're talking about the relations between Saudi Arabia and Qatar and the UAE. Saudi one, Qatar nil. No, yeah, there's a Saudi, there's a nice Saudi four, Qatar one. But <laughs> yes, you picked up on the segue. <laughs> <laughs> kind of hard not to yep it wasn't Saudi Nathan it was the tune it was Newcastle United right against Paris Saint-Germain and Paris had no idea what hit them Luis Enrique is the most overrated coach of the modern era look the tactics were mystifying but when I saw 30 seconds in Anthony Gordon revving up the crowd for winning a corner of, and look mind you when I heard the reaction of the crowd I mean if you've Never been to St. James Park, right? You need to go. It, that, it, I don't care if you don't follow Newcastle or not, right? I went in the height of, or in the depths, I should say, of despair when Steve Bruce was managing Newcastle United, <laughs> right? And Mike Ashley was still owner. That's and, a mess. And things were grim. And they still had 52,000 people. And the place was pumping. I really, really, for the first time in a long time, um, felt envious of everyone that was there last night or like a Thursday morning out time, because I knew what it was going to be like. And I can tell you, there are plenty of things online that you can see about it, but when you saw the, and I'll get onto this in a minute as well, but when you saw the players enter St. James Park and the noise, the noise, I got goosebumps straight, like just from the TV. If I had been there, goodness knows what had happened. Seriously, it was just incredible, incredible atmosphere. And that place just rocks. The place just rocks. Right, the Geordies are mad. I don't think they they were uh, Thursday in Newcastle. I don't think Newcastle Town itself would have actually kicked off till about two p.m. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, everyone would have been out partying, and oh, there would have been plenty of sore heads. <laughs> I'll tell you a story, right? Yeah, go on. And, and look, it gets into like, uh, and I don't know if you've seen it, but and I'm Stan. I'm disappointed with Max. Rushton and Foz and Boz do a great job, right? However, yesterday's game should have been Newcastle versus Paris Saint-Germain, not Red Bull, you know, RB Leipzig versus Manchester City. Oh, Lars, you just adopt a shill. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> because it's interesting to note that, okay, and, and look, you know, they base themselves at the UK, so that's fine. But CBS Sports, Paramount Plus in the States had... Newcastle United versus Paris Saint-Germain as the feature game. They sent Kate Abdo and Micah Richards and Jamie Carragher up to Newcastle United. Which is uh, an amazing team. Look, the the, the panel on, is fantastic. That panel is fantastic <laughs> at the best of times with Thierry Henry. It's a shame Thierry wasn't up there, right? But the if you go to YouTube and you know see you know CBS Sports Galazzo that that channel and you see the highlights of their coverage, my lord, how. Why is that not on Paramount Plus here in this, in Australia? Seriously, it was absolutely bloody brilliant, but it gave you an insight into what Newcastle was like. So, Mike Richards goes, oh, we want, you know, they're happy that they're going up to Newcastle and they're going to find out what a, the Geordie culture is. Carragher asks, what's the culture? And Mike Richards goes, drinking. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not far off. Right? That sounds familiar to somewhere else in the world, huh? Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. So... Uh, and I can tell you, you know, if you happen to go to a pub in Newcastle, you don't um, let people in front of you, right? They, they'll tell you straight away that you're, they know that you're not from there, mm. right? You can't be a gentleman and go, hey, you know, yeah, no, you're all right, cut in. 
No, they'll say, you're not from here straight away. They pick it. And they go, do not ever <laughs> let anyone cut, a, cut in front of you for a drink. <laughs> but they will offer to buy you a drink, which is even better. Oh, fantastic. No, the Geordies are, are mad. They're absolutely mad. And it's a top club. And they're just yeah, absolutely brilliant. And look, uh, the noise that they made, the reaction, the goal, <laughs> the goal scorers, the goals themselves, nuts. Absolutely nuts. And Paris may as well not have been on the park. Well, they weren't. And two of the goals were just presented to Newcastle through their own undoing. Yes, the press made the errors, but Paris were terrible. They can't win a Champions League ever. They can't. They, they won't get out of this group, Les. They won't get out of this group. Like, I think that... They go Dortmund, on a Europa League. Yeah, I think Dortmund might actually do them. I know Newcastle got Dortmund um, away, then home next, but Milan might find them out. I'm not sure. I think, I think Milan Paris, might beat them at the San Siro. Yeah, I think Paris might uh, miss out on this. Luis Enrico gets sacked before the end of the season. If Paris don't make it out of the group uh, into the knockout phase of the Champions League, I think Luis, uh, Luis Enrique is gone. Yeah. Before Christmas. Yeah. And as I said before, I think he's massively overrated. Oh, yes, he had a good time at Barca, but... Yes, he did. Uh, he got carried by Messi. What's he done outside of Barca? He was rubbish with the Spain national team. Look, the Spain national team, last World Cup, it was a bit... He was, plays the worst football different. that you can see. Look, it's possession for possession's sake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, I can't disagree with you. Yeah, uh, that, that's a like that. personal preference it, for me. Yeah, times it feels like that. But it's boring, Enrique football. I just think that if you um, if you apply yourself in a three quarters of the application in a way that is you know three quarters of the application to what Newcastle did on Thursday morning our time, I think any team can beat Paris. They made thirteen signings this summer. They let Neymar and Messi go, mm-hmm. and they're a worse club. The worst squad off the back of it. And as it stands, they're fifth in Ligue 1. I don't see where they go. And Nathan Potch couldn't get a straight, uh, you know, a tune out of them. Tuchel almost did. And he's come the closest to, you know, to providing Paris Saint Germain with a Champions League. And they were terrible in that final, mind you, against Bayern. Oh, they were. Mm. So they were never going to win it. Um, I think Mbappe yesterday realized that shit, I've made a mistake here by actually staying on. Yeah. He's got to look at his bank account, doesn't he? Well, that helps, right? But. I think from a – he was absolutely flummoxed with what actually happened. He had no idea. And I could, and I, and I thought about um, that um, piece of footage where Griezmann is playing football manager <laughs> and he puts him yeah. up there <laughs> <laughs> into Newcastle United and Bubba goes, no, it's too cold. <laughs> <laughs> I think he realised that it's not that cold. Mm. Look, and Bubba's 25 now and he may still play 10 years at the top level, but what's he got to show for his – Times of football so far. Yes, he's got some league and titles. He's got a World Cup. He's won many trophies. But in terms of what he's actually done in terms of club land and his, I don't like the word, but legacy mm-hmm. as a footballer for Paris Saint-Germain, I think he has to move. I think he will move. And if Real don't go in for him, you might see him up in time. So I don't see. I don't see. I don't see. Par- I don't see Paris selling. I don't see Qatari selling Mbappe to Saudis. It's going on a free, mate. His contract's at the is up at the end of the year. He's not he's not extending. He's not electing to extend his contract. He had an option and he's declined that to you know declined the right to exercise that option. The point it's is not, they'll sell him in January before letting him go on a free to Newcastle. He, well, they might. If they're smart, they might. Mm. And they might actually, you know, see if Real does want to part with the money. Real might turn around and say, you know what, you sit pretty now. If Newcastle turn around and say, "Hey, we can we can offer you this," they might turn turn their heads. Either way, I can see him get really. I think he'll get a Real, 
and he'd be mad not to because we can get on to Real in a minute, right? There's an Mbappe-shaped hole in that squad. There is at Real. But um, I think um, Newcastle, if you have a look at the side, right, that played last night, uh, played on Thursday morning, they should not have been even within close to Paris Saint-Germain. Trippier, yes, absolutely. Can play anywhere for any club. Uh, Burn, Lascelles, right, you know, and Shah. <laughs> the fact that they actually, and two of those players actually scored goals against Paris Saint-Germain in an emphatic performance it was incredible. Almiron, no Joel Linton, right, but Almiron, right. Isaac played pretty well, even though they're for the dock and what have you, but it's, Newcastle got a lot of injuries at the moment. And they're doing that. This last, you know, streak of six games and conceding the one goal in, you know, yesterday's game, just incredible. We've got West Ham on the weekend. Look, I don't know how long it's going to last, but I hope it lasts. And the, the thing is, all they have to do in the Champions League is a draw away at each of the away fixtures and win at home, and that'll see them through. You want to top the group? I think I think they will. I think they will now. Yeah, they probably I will. Yeah. I, think, I think they beat Milan at St. James. And look, you say you point to the squad, right? Mm. And in some positions, you're right. But this Newcastle side have had money spent on that. So there's money in this team. Not as much as what people think. They've got a high net spend. They've got the second highest behind Chelsea in the Premier League. Come on, Nathan. How much have they what? spent? Let's talk, like, seriously, how much have they spent? Spent 60 on Isak, right? Yep. 75 on Tanali. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gimerish was 50 mil. Gimaraj was not quite 50, but they're 45. Let's call it 50. Let's call it 50. <laughs> it's not that much. Gordon was 40. Gordon was 40. To 50. Right. It's, it, and it, but it's been sensible. And it hasn't been like all in one hit. And you know what I mean? It's been measured. Yeah. Everything has but been the, measured about Newcastle. The point is, this is not a mid-table squad that has gone on a miracle run. This is no a, a team that's had a lot of money put into it. But the, no, hang on. But the improvement in the players that were prior to Eddie Howe taking over is where everybody's amazed. Yeah. And Joel, I, I, and Joel Linton and Elmira are the, the players that you can point that to those players. Else. You can point to those players, sure. Me saying they spent money doesn't discredit what Eddie Howe's done with the players, with some of the players that were no, there. Okay. That's not like the time. point. No, it is the point. Because the same period, men, you have spent more. And that's what I'm saying to you. How are Newcastle's second net high, you know, second highest net spend behind Chelsea? Please don't throw that at me. Look at your mob, right? And then tell me. Because that club there is a disgrace. And the way that, you know, and it's more so than what Chelsea is. Chelsea's, you know, Chelsea's a different kettle of fish. It's an experiment. Chelsea's an experiment. See how you've changed topic here? See how you've changed topic and uh, moved on to a different subject? Yeah, I wanted to speak to Real. <laughs> I wanted to speak about Real Madrid. But you wanted to bring up, you, you, you know, Manchester United inadvertently. No, right? I did you not. Knew, you knew I would go that No, way. I did not. And that's fair enough. My point is that Newcastle <laughs> gets this sort of reputation of being a plucky little club that's defying the odds. They are. They're not. They've spent a, a whole ton of money. They're a battler club, all right? We're battlers. You're a Saudi pawn. That's what you are. No need to be like that, right? <laughs> and how's your mob going? <laughs> uh, we're clinging on to our soul. That's what we got because we haven't got much else. <laughs> if you got that. <laughs> if you've got any left. <laughs> if you've got any left. Um, no. Look, I, 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 I get it. I just hope that the same... Approach is applied to Newcastle in the next couple of transfer windows. We don't need to go over the top, but we do need. You know, Newcastle does need to strengthen its side. There's no doubt about it. So it Newcastle don't need to go over the top, but they should sign Mbappe. Mm. Uh, listen, hey, 
I didn't say that they should sign him. I said I think that Mbappe was quite surprised by what he experienced at St. James Park the other day. Oh, keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. Hey, I know he's going to the Bernabeu. You know that too. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> so why are you talking up Mbappe to Newcastle? No, what I'm saying is should that fall through for whatever reason, right? He's not going to hang around in Paris. Oh, no, definitely not. But I think that he could, like which other club aside from Real, let's say Real falls through, who's going to sign him? Chelsea, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. City? No, I don't see City. He's not a, he's not a pet player. I don't necessarily would have marked Haaland as a pet player. Uh, no, but he's younger and he's more pliable. I think Pep can pep anyone. Pep can pep anyone? Yep. Well, I think fair enough. He can Guardiola anybody. Guardiola-ized? Yep. Oh, yeah. Pepified. Pepified? Yep. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. But um, yes. But should we talk about Jude Bellingham? Again. And not having the right to score the goal or assist the way that he did against Napoli. What a cracking game, mind you. That oh, was great. the game of the Champions League round, This, I think. All right, aside well, from Newcastle. I mean, Newcastle was different. <laughs> I mean, it was you, different from an emotional point of view. But from a technical... You, you took the point out of my mouth. <laughs> no, from a technical point of view, right? The football that was played between Napoli and Madrid. Oh, yeah, beautiful. Oh, Amazing. Sensational. See, the, the difference is Newcastle just overran Paris Saint-Germain. Paris Saint-Germain went in, in the contest, right? You had Napoli going at Madrid and Madrid going back at Napoli. It was a top game both ways. Both sides were just, you know, sensational. Yeah, and I dare say there's going to be some more high-quality games in this Champions League group stage. There's more to come, particularly from the Newcastle group. But a, that's going to take group. some topping. What a group that is. Honestly, you think about it, you go, what a group. And you've still got Milan and, and Dortmund to come to St. James. And, you know, Newcastle to go to you know, Dortmund and and, uh, and Paris. It's just going to be crazy. Yeah. Geordie's in Paris is going to be something special. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be fun. But, mm. um, no, but Mad- Napoli Madrid, what a game. And I'll tell you what. Handball. Which one? All of them. <laughs> oh, come on. Look, I don't know what handball is anymore. We talked about this last week. No, but see, okay. Should that penalty have been given? I know you're going to say according to the rule, yes. Yes, it should have been given. Where does his hand go, man? Like, proxy, like you know. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, okay. I mean... It's very harsh because there's, what, a double deflection in there? <laughs> it's crazy. Comes off his foot and hits his hand. And it used to be the case that if there was a deflection, then that was a mediating factor for the defender. Whereas a non-deliberate, you know, it's not. Not anymore, it's not. They don't care about deflections anymore. No, no. And, and the hand's out, it's a penalty. I can't believe they gave that. I really can't. But, yeah, like I said, I don't, but, I don't understand handball anymore. That's the rule. And was the was a, a Porter got ripped off a goal? No, they weren't. No, that wasn't handball. No, it wasn't handball. It was outside the box. Got, no, but it got given handball. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm. And they should have had a penalty for the challenge on Taremi. Yes. I think Barca are very lucky to get away with that. I agree with you. Barca are lucky to get away with anything. But we'll come on to Barca. <laughs> you know that they've formally been charged now as well, by the way. With Have they the, now? Yes. Yep. With regard to the match-fixing issue that they were complaining about initially. But it, it's all Real's fault. It, of course it is. Yes, this is something that just keeps rumbling on, doesn't it? And yep. You said they've been charged now. Mm-hmm. Correct. I mean, this doesn't reflect well on anybody. No, it doesn't. Barca first and foremost. Well, primarily Barca. Yes. Yeah, first and foremost. Right, but, yeah. We'll pay you just in case you you getting mm. paid, even though we don't, you know, we can't confirm that that's the case. We suspect this I don't is think happening. It, I don't think it reflects well on La Liga or... <laughs> No, no, it doesn't. To some extent, UEFA as well. 
well, I think your wife are going to come down really hard on this if, um, you know, seeing that they've there's enough evidence for them for Barcelona to actually have a case to answer and be charged. Oh, what's the punishment? Being kicked out of Europe? I'd say so. Is this the story where they said they're going to go and join Asia? Yes, correct. Kind of coming back to that. That's what they were threatening, right? <laughs> but now it's kind of getting serious because they have been charged. So mm. there you go. But, um, yeah, but I'll tell you what, the, the football that was played in, in Europe this past week was just insane. Brilliant, brilliant football. Absolutely, Les. And look, this pod is at risk of going past the two-hour mark. Yeah, I know. I think we can go longer. I can tell you, there's heaps to talk about. <laughs> there's so much. Oh, there is good. so much to cover off this week. So but we might have to do a little bit. Li- we might have to do a little bit of quick fire. Let's go. Let's go. Just to rattle some stories out. All right, quick. All right. Firstly, Socceroos squad. Yes, has been yeah. named for the upcoming international break. Yes, fantastic to see Maslawongo get a recall. Thank the Lord. Five years in the wilderness. And well deserved to. Well, well deserved yes. to come back. No doubt. Very much so. Good to see Ryan Strain and Lewis Miller uh-huh. get in, and probably because Karadzic doesn't have a club and Atkinson's got an injury at the moment. Yep. But big opportunity for those two to get a spot for January. Yeah. Big no, time. I agree. Yep. Um, I'm, but I'm yeah. excited for this side. I'm excited for this side, and look, I'll be interested. You know, and I think that you know um, that things are boning well. Let's just wait and see how this um, how this international period goes but you know hopefully it carries on from the good work from uh, Qatar so far it's been pretty positive mm. since the World Cup so hopefully it continues to be the case and we can roll into the Asian Cup uh, campaign with a bit of confidence very much so and I'm looking forward to seeing Miss Duke against Harry Maguire Maybe the uh, Mack truck turns quicker than Harry Maguire we know that <laughs> uh, so does milk yes yes that <laughs> <laughs> does too although well yeah I think that um, he's going to be in the reckoning for Manchester United on the weekend. Uh, yeah, I mean... Because they haven't got anyone else, unfortunately. We're an injury or two away from seeing Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans lining up. I think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, Mackenzie Arnold, captain for West Ham. Yes. For the new season. Great to see. Yeah, and Women's Super League kicking off last weekend yes. with uh, mixed results for the Australians. But it was, you know, well, around it was pretty good football, actually. I mean, there's 13 Aussies in the WSL now, mm. so there's going to be mixed results every weekend. Of course, yeah. But Arsenal going down 1-0 to Liverpool. Great crowd. 53,000. Big crowd. At the Emirates. Yeah. Shame was a bit of a dire performance for the Gunners. It was. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was dire. But, um, yeah, no, look, it's, yeah, this Women's Super League uh, season is going to be interesting, I think. One that will be keeping on. So. Mm. Mm. No, definitely. I, I might be watching Manchester United, Manchester United women more than the men this season. Oh, <laughs> you? I would probably do that as well, yes. I mean, Gaze looks like a fantastic pickup. Doesn't she want? Mm. Looks a cut above everyone else mm. Mm. in a white shirt mm. at Villa Park. Mm. That could have gone the other way, that guy. Very much so. It was looking yeah. like it was going to go the other way. Yeah, yeah. But they found but, a way. Uh, they did. Um, new A-League's website. I haven't Keep seen up. it. Has been redirected to aleaks.com. Yay. Thank goodness. Happy with that. Uh, I mean, sneak preview for next week, but uh, we can talk about it then. Oh, okay. But um, I don't necessarily think that Keep Up needed to be um, taken out the back, so to speak. Yeah, look. The name and the concept. They could they could have kept it, but okay. See, I, I think both pieces were needed for it to work properly. I see what you're saying. I think you need a Keep Up website, which and... is... 
yeah. a football news website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you also needed an A-League specific competition website. Maybe that's something and we can you ask. Link it together and funnel traffic from keepup to A-leagues.com.au. But keepup has gone by the wayside. Let's see. If, well, it's definitely gone by the wayside, yeah. That's what I've heard. Okay. All right. And uh, we will uh, speak about that next week. Mm-hmm. Let's... Also, domestically, there's a rumor going around there's going to be no VAR. I haven't heard this rumor. The word is, and there's been some con- conflicting reports, so maybe we can get some clarity on that coming mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. But apparently, the A-Leagues has a new supply for VAR for the new season. Right. And the word is that it won't be ready for round one. Okay. And so for sporting integrity, it won't be ready for the entire season. Mm. I don't know what to make of that. Why not half a season? So I think, look. No season, like I so said, none for the whole season and then half the season. See, it's an unbalanced draw, which yeah, okay, you're trying not, to find yeah, a golden sure. solution. Yeah. Bring it in for the finals, maybe. But realistically, okay. I think as soon as it's ready, you bring it in. Yeah. Look, logistically, I would have thought that you'd do that anyway. Um. I think it's a bit extreme to say, hey, you know, we're not going to be ready for round one, so scrap the whole thing for the whole season. I mean, people have been asking for VR to be scrapped. Mate, look. In in Australia and in the UK, which All right. is, is my next an... thing that I'm okay. going to bring up. All right. Did you have an issue with the VAR in the Champions League this week or in European football at all this week, club football? I don't necessarily have an issue with VAR itself. It's how it's implemented. Case in point, Tottenham-Liverpool last weekend, okay. which... We're going to come on to. Oh, far out. Okay, sure. We have to mention it. We do. Um, we have to mention it. And we do have to but, mention, there's a couple other things we have to mention too, but yes, go on. We'll come on to that in a moment. Um, uh, but look, I... But a lot of people have been asking for VR to be scrapped, and if this rumour turns out to be true, then we get to experience what life without life. VR what life was like. is <laughs> and have it taken away from a league. Because we know, we remember what VR... Well, life was like before VAR. Do you? It's a fading memory. <laughs> <laughs> now oh, that okay. we've now we've gotten relatively used to it. Uh-huh. Um, what's it going to be like if VAR's taken away for a period of time? It'll be different. Is it going to be missed? I wonder. Well, we don't have VAR in the Australia Cup. No, we don't. And the Australia Cup finals on tomorrow as well. By the way, we should mention that it is. Yes, Sydney FC versus Brisbane Raw. Also, going to be a good crowd too. Mm, hope so. Uh, Brisbane going to go zero and three for finals in October. We don't talk well, about that. Well, not sports, not, not quite October, but we're, no, we we're, don't. We don't talk about that sports <laughs> In particular, the other one from in uh, Victoria. <laughs> uh, but yes, I'm a bit of a status, yes. But, mm. <laughs> but yes, um, should be a good game on the weekend. Should be Sydney game. against Brisbane. Yeah, should be a good game. Should be interesting. Mm, yes, go to on, quick fire round. Let's go, keep going. you got quick fire stuff. Yes. Is Tottenham Liverpool quick fire? Probably not. No. So just park no. that to the side. Let's go. With I'll park that. Stuff. That's quick. We should also mention Tom Rogic. Yes. And thank you to Tom for his uh, service to the game. He's mm-hmm. been an enigmatic character, but um, talented footballer, silky footballer. Jeez, you know, um, when he was on song, my Lord, you know. All those Tom Rogic bangers that he got for Celtic. So, like, you could Odegaard is someone that you could watch all day. Rockage at peak form, again, similar type of player, just silky smooth, you know, great player, great player. Yeah, and I think it's a great career for Tom Rogage. Great. He's had some great highs and probably the best export Futsal's ever had. Yeah, 
That's fair to say. And to think his career came from that, uh, was it Nike Academy uh-huh. thing, which is a, it's an amazing story in and of itself. Uh-huh. Uh, hats off to Tom Roach. Uh, yeah. Great career. Yeah, well done. In green and white and green and gold. And uh, good to see that uh, the story the, the um, yeah the story that he put out on his Insta as the reasons to why he's retiring to focus on his family and yeah no, congratulations yeah to him and his partner expecting twins oh that's awesome amazing that's brilliant got a lot of hard work in front of him mm. <laughs> you can take playing it from me. ball for Celtic is one thing <laughs> that's right even playing for Celtic is one thing geez oh, there you go but I've uh, Boca Juniors have made it to the Copa Libertadores daughters final. I saw this. Did I also see, last that they didn't win a game in the knockouts? Apparently, yes, just through penalties, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and they lost And they lost Super Classico as well on, on the weekend mm, at wow. home to Oof. River Plate. Oof. Yeah, yeah. So, But I mean, they're in the Copa Libertadores finals. So. <laughs> Rocks and diamonds, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's <laughs> that ain't bad, the truth. But, um, yes, so that's something that uh, caught my eye. And um, did you see that the FC Nantes mascot rugby tackled the wren mascot and the wren mascot had to be stretched out <laughs> oh we shouldn't laugh oh yes we should it's funny it's, funny. it's hilarious <laughs> we don't normally delve into the the world of uh of mascots but geez that was funny oh Sorry. yes <laughs> it's quite oh uh, yes the poor mascot mm. went off with an injury yeah Injury time. Want, did they get a big stretcher out because it was a, a big costume? And <laughs> <laughs> they put him in the back of like a, a someone wearing an ambulance mascot. Yeah, yeah, that's right, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so yes, that was quite funny. But um... it's also funny French. The team you mentioned, yes. FC Nantes, mm-hmm. a little bit of a different connotation if you say that in a different part of the world. Uh, I'm assuming in Dutch. Is that right? No, no, no English. English. Okay. But if you don't get it, we can move on. No, I don't get it. Sorry. We can move on. Move on. <laughs> um, Hayley Rosso scored a first goal yes, for Real did. Madrid. Yes, she did. Pretty yes. simple one. No yeah. defenders in sight, but Have great to done. get off the mark. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Great to get off the mark. I've got a question for you, Nathan. Go on. If Go I on. Can. And it's on the back of a quote from Tiago Alcantara, mm-hmm. which I saw during the week. And it made me think, I thought, you know what, is probably right. The number 10 role has almost disappeared. We see less magic, less fantasy. Footballs do more, but faster. Players are more developed in every sense. The playmaker, who was slower, even if he had sublime technique, doesn't get the opportunity to turn anymore. He's right. He he is, isn't he? Yeah. And that's why the referee ends up in the position of number 10 these days, which frustrates the shit out of me. But anyway. (laughs) I think the industrious midfielder, the work rate, the graft, all these sorts of things that go into more modern day midfielders i think you are seeing the end of the traditional number 10 yeah sad the last is it the last it might be well it's the last for now anyway well maybe for this generation the ozil type players i don't think one would make it through now they get shifted out onto the wing and then they'd be too slow yeah but this is the way football works things happen in trends yeah and and the game moves on yeah like uh enrico playing 424 from the 1950s but anyway (laughs) See, I'm waiting for strike partnerships to probably come back in. They will at some point. It's inevitable. They right? will, like you said, mm. it flows. And the number ten, the emergence of the number ten will come back as well, right? Just it'll just happen. It'll evolve differently. That's all. And this is probably Guardiola influence, or yeah, that cretin has ruined the game. 
<laughs> He's false not going nine. anywhere. False number nine. <laughs> I can false number nine. Give you false number nine. That's why you went and got a number nine, you dickhead. <laughs> playing fourth, fourth dimensional chess in his own mind. People just want to fledge it. Anyway, oh, I'm going to, yeah, I just don't like him. Considered prick. <laughs> You're the one firing up this week. Look, I was always Joe's over when it was Joe's over Pep. So <laughs> <laughs> it's the Barcelona thing. Isn't it? What what a surprise, huh? <laughs> Football editage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you cannot believe, you cannot believe. You know, he was crapping on about having injuries as well. Like fuck off. Yeah, you know. he does. To be fair, what crap on? He's a good golfer though. Yeah. I'll give him that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And he what. has changed. He has changed football. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's been for the better or not. I reckon Arsenal win this weekend. I don't know about that. After what uh, I saw in Europe, Europe is one thing. City yeah, without sure. Rodri is yeah. City without Rodri isn't great, but mate, Saka is a big loss. Yeah, big time. Yeah, that's why you know it might be a draw that game. Although I didn't expect Wolves to beat Man City. To be fair, no, I don't think anybody did. I wouldn't and, have picked uh, it. No. No, I certainly wouldn't have. Laz, shall we talk about VAR? Again? All right, let's go. Let's go. VAR. Tottenham, Liverpool. Oh, hang on. Did you see Henry Winkler send a message to, a video message to uh, Postacoglu to Big Ange? Oh, I did see this, yes. <laughs> How good is that? Yeah. How good is that? <laughs> I do get a little bit of a sense of it's happening very fast for Ange at Tottenham. Look, um, it's, it's all happening Winkler, very quickly. Henry Winkler culturally is. Probably up Spurs' alley as far as supporters are concerned, right? So there's a cultural fit there, um, mm-hmm. and so I've no doubt that that's you know that that's the case, and that um, that Henry Winkley is definitely a Spurs supporter, and you know obviously you know talking about having you know he used to have a picture of the Fonz, a poster of the Fonz up on his bedroom wall, but you know and uh, offering to sign a poster and you know send it to him if you could put it up in his office at Spurs would be great. <laughs> I don't, you know, but I wonder if but, yeah. you know, the Fonz then or Henry Winkler now. I'm not sure how that's going to work. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but, but yes, by the I, way. I do get the sense maybe it might be moving a little bit too quick for Ange. Yes, it's been a great start. Just got to enjoy it whilst you can, mate, because it's not always it's not always roses, right? And True. Um, look, that was a cracking game as well. That was played at such it a was. speed. It was ridiculous. It was ruined by yes, the VAR. Uh, yeah. Okay. The referee on the field with the red card. I haven't got a problem one. with the red card. I don't have a problem with that either. I know other people do, but I don't. No, I haven't got a problem with it. I think both of them are reds, actually. I yeah. don't think anybody can complain about it. I think Liverpool have been have actually played better this season when they have had a player sent off. I mean, it's happened. The, Newcastle? What, is that four red cards for the season for Liverpool? This, uh, yeah. And so Newcastle got sent off. Yeah. Um, there's a discipline issue there. Mm. There's no doubt about it, right? There is. And every single time anything happens against them, it's, they point to this big conspiracy, oh, the refs are out to get us. and It comes up every single time. And they complain about referees more than anyone else. And look, with the disallowed goal that should have been given, they've got a point. Yep. But every single time something goes against them, it's a referee's fault. And whether it be Klopp or Andy Robertson, they're, they're always in the face of the officials. They're always complaining. And look, you may say, pop, pop me kettle. Yep. With the, the captain of the team that I support. Correct. Because he's a sure. disgrace at times as well. <laughs> sure. Point taken. Uh, and I agree with it. Mm-hmm. But the point is, you've got Jurgen Klopp coming out and saying that there should be a replay of the game. 
that don't was give me not his, no, hang on. That was not his initial comments. What he said after the game was spot on, right? But I was surprised by that actually. I thought it would I thought it would, would have been more of his usual whingy self. Um, but obviously that came to back into being at the last press conference before the Champions League game. Um, should it have been? Should it be replayed? No, it shouldn't be. No, it can't. Can be. you imagine the precedent that sets? No, it can't be replayed, right? Um, look, and I know it's look. Having heard the audio, and people make mistakes. We all make mistakes, but. What are you looking at? Like, I don't think a, refer- a VAR should be making a mistake like that. They should have known, to be fair, that the original, that the call on the field was offside. They assumed it was a goal. Like, they assumed that the call on the field was a goal. So there's obviously a break, you know. But I would have thought when you're establishing this criteria for VAR, to go ahead and make a decision and before you actually, I mean, before you actually go and decide, you know, confirm your decision, don't you ensure that all parties are across what's actually happening before the decision is communicated? Listening to that audio, nobody had a clue as to what was going on. It was the guy that was actually the analyst the, saying, are you happy with this, who has no official capacity aside from actually, you know, drawing the lines and what have you. But why do why does the EPL balls it up, they complicate it, when VAR works in the World Cup and the Champions League? What I would say is that hearing the audio, I was amazed at how ambiguous the language used was. When the final decision is, okay, check complete, what does that even mean? Exactly right. There is there is no context around that whatsoever. Yeah, they're When they're talking yeah. in the VR booth, they need to, be, need to be explicit with what they say. Funnily enough, this audio was explicit, but that's not the point I made. <laughs> it's not, the, not that kind of explicit. <laughs> what should it he, be? They what should be sh- saying, mm. check complete, Goal stands or goal given. Correct. Decision, exactly. goal. Correct. Or original decision on the field is X, right? And then they can turn around and say, check complete, goal should be allowed to stand. Or decision is goal. Yeah. That's correct. it. That's all they need to say. Hmm. And you say you said just before last video, I was talking about other codes. But when it comes to the NFL, when it comes to the NRL, with their implementation... I'm happy to talk come, about those codes. When it comes to cricket, with their implementation of video technology, it is yep. so explicit in what they're saying. Yeah, it is. It is. There is no ambiguity and, whatsoever. And, and likewise, rugby union. Well, well, I wouldn't know about rugby union. Well, that's fair enough. But the TMO, um, <laughs> no, they, yeah, they tend to like be, okay, on-field decision is this. Let's have a look and see. You know, it, yeah, it's it's really no brainer. But I would have thought those protocols would have already be in place, Nathan. Right. Yes, I maintain. You don't get clangers like this in in the Champions League or in the World Cup. You don't, right? or in Europe, or in the Europa Conference League, for goodness sake. I maintain, Laz, that the VAR officials should not be referees. They should be data analysts. They should be video experts. People who deal with the technology, they know exactly how the technology works. They need to know. No, Nathan, I disagree with you. They can be trained as referees, but they shouldn't be referees trained as video experts. Okay, yeah, I'll go along with that. I'm because happy to go along with you there. If you get a bunch of video experts, data analyst experts, and you train them to be referees, you eliminate the conspiracy, the thought, the whatever, the perception of an old boys club. Yep. Because that's rife. Yes, especially in England. Yes. The concern over, oh, the referees, there's a conspiracy against this team. There's a they got that's, an agenda that's, against this team. That's BS. It's garbage. It is absolute garbage. If you have two separate parties... On-field officials and VAR officials. They're two completely separate Nathan, bodies. Nathan, you don't need to reinvent the wheel when it comes to this. 
all you have to do is have the language being purposeful and clear, right? What it should say is, okay, VAR is checking. Okay, what confirmation of what the decision was on field at the time, right? So that's your starting point. Yeah. Then we look at it and go, okay, well, is there a reason, you know, for this decision to be overturned? Well, yes, there is because it's not, it's not offside. That's it. And also, you get that point, that moment when they realise that they made a mistake, the VAR, and they think, oh, what's going on here? Why is it a free kick and not a goal, mm. not a kickoff? Mm. And then okay. there's the follow-on bit, oh, the game's been restarted, oh, we can't do it's anything. Just get on the phone uh, and say, so mate. Listen, man, made a mistake. It's a goal. It's a goal. Give it a goal. What are they doing? Mm. And it's funny. There isn't the processes for the clear language that they should be using on the comms. There isn't that process, apparently, because they say ambiguous things the entire time. Which is stupid. I like it is. That is and stupid. It really is. At the same time, they're so caught up in their processes, they say, oh, the game's been restarted, therefore we can't do anything. Okay. And and I, I suspect that would have been an IFAB thing because of the, the rules, right? But Both are stupid. That, those rules are stupid, if that's the case, because what they should have done is, guys, this can't, we have to stop the game. Or you have to do something. The goal needs to be awarded. It's that simple, right? Or do something to actually get that goal on. Like, yeah. stop play, let Liverpool score, go back. Oh, yeah. no, I can't do that. Just stop the game and go for a kickoff. Goal no, given. Sure. No, I agree. But, like, it's uh, that and simple. I'm ta- and I'm talking about the Marcelo Bielsa, Leeds United versus Aston Villa thing that happened. Oh, that's in. that's different right. altogether. Well, but you could have applied that same similar kind of logic or approach. I think you just stop the game and go for a kickoff. I, I, look, yeah. I wouldn't have had a problem if that was the case. And if that's how it played out, then there would have been a little bit of a confusion, a smaller uproar. How yep. could they not see this in the first place? That's, yeah, correct. But everyone knows the goal should have been given. Eventually, they arrive at the right decision. Everyone moves on. Now, what we have had transpire, this is just going to keep rumbling on now. They made a rod for their own back, unfortunately. And look, yes, referees make mistakes. Video assistant referees make mistakes. But that should have yeah been knocked in the head straight away, no doubt. Yeah. And I don't know where they go from here because... Scrap it. Scrap the whole thing. Let's get back to where it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, um, I don't mind the semi, like the semi-automated offside. I don't mind the. The clubs voted against it, Les. The, the Premier League teams voted against it. It works okay in Europe, and it worked and fine Cup, at the World Cup. It did the um and the goal line technology, right? It was yeah. fine as well. And look, but, you saw the approach that UEFA has to it. Look at the second goal for Newcastle, that that burn scores, right? So we knew the ball had already crossed the line because the referee had pointed to it. We just wait, we're waiting to see if what had happened, if if Gibbonage was offside or not. It wasn't offside goal, but they took their time. They made sure that they, you know that all the process was followed. Yeah, and it's just a Premier League thing. Bloody English, mate. They want to complicate it. These stories keep coming up every single week, multiple times a week. It's just VAR mess after VAR mess. And Howard Webb can drop referees and bring new ones in as much as he likes. It's not going to solve anything. No, it's not. Yeah, it's a mess. And I, I don't know realistically how they're going to go about fixing it. We talk about another We mess. say doing the processes, setting out these are the words you should be using, sure. so on and so on. But that's one thing. Restoring the English public's faith in the technology mm. Mm. is a nigh-on-impossible task now. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, look, they need to not reinvent the wheel. They just need to say, listen, we're going to go to UEFA, we're going to go to FIFA and see what it is that they do and we'll try and implement that into our game and go ahead with it. But should we talk about another mess now? Go on. 
Manchester United. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. no. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to do that too. <laughs> um, what's going to happen, Nathan? About what? Manchester United and Ten oh, we Hag. are doing this. Okay, and Ten Hag. We are doing this. We have to <sighs> because again, yeah. Look, it's. It's either Chelsea one, it's Chelsea one week and Man U the next. It really is at the, this point in time. Tell you what, I, I'm copying it from my boss. Oh, I bet you are because he's a he's a Galatasaray supporter. And you called it. <laughs> you actually called it when mm. the group was drawn. You called it to say Galatasaray are going to give us the issues. Yep. I thought draw at best because I knew they like in Turkey as well, right? I thought at Old Trafford, uh, you know, Man U should sneak it in, but man, they will beat us over in Istanbul. Oh, they will guaranteed. Yep. That will Manchester United are going to struggle to qualify for the Europa League at this rate. Mm. And how long before Ten Hag goes? The thing is, I don't see the club pulling the trigger anytime soon. Should they? There's some, this is something I've maintained for a while now that they're still signing his players for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Like Andre Onana is a Ten Hag signing. You can't tell me that's a club signing. Why not get the hair back? Oh, no. You really? You never go back. Mm, okay. This scorched earth the, policy, yeah? Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo, pointing case. Yes, Paul okay. Pogba, pointing case. Yes, okay. And I think the club are also backing the manager with Jaden Sancho. To the hill. It seems like the club are happy to allow Jaden Sancho to leave the mm-hmm. £75 million pound investment and £250,000 a week mm-hmm. walk out the door. Wow. I don't think if the club were thinking about Second Ten Hag, they would allow that to happen. Mm. I don't see that. Mm. Also, if you do decide to sack Eric Ten Hag, who do you bring in? Because it's one thing arriving at that decision, but you also have to look who who's going to take his place. I don't think. Well, Alvarez. There's no one else. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> I know you. I was waiting for it. <laughs> it's like he's going to say Alvarez. He's going to say Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Samuel mm-hmm. Adichie. Yep. And the prime candidates are Antonio Conte. Nope. No thanks. Gareth Southgate, no thanks. Nope. I don't think there's anyone that I would say, yes, I want them to be the man- manager of Manchester United. There's no one that fills me with any sort of confidence that they can do a better job. And it's a bit of a cop-out to just blame the owners every time something goes wrong, but it does go back to the owners. Yeah, it does. You're right. It, you're right. It's Yeah, it is a cop-out, but it's the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that you've got a people in the... Ownership group. Some of the uh, family, the Glazer family, want to sell, and others don't. Um, and that's all obviously um, feel, making its way through the rest of the club, which is really bizarre. Really yeah, bizarre. It is. And there's a story this week that Jim Ratcliffe wants to buy a minority stake in the club, uh, 25%, I think I read. Yeah, yeah, I read that. Which I think if, you, <clears throat> if he's arrived at the conclusion that the Glazers are just being, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, unfair. No, mm-hmm. I suppose. No, let's go with unfair. Mm-hmm. The Glazers are being unfair in the negotiation with the sale of the club for the for the full mm-hmm. sale. Then acquiring twenty five percent means that they can't sell to anyone else without Jim Ratcliffe's approval. Mm-hmm. In effect, they can only sell to him. Correct. So that would lean itself to future um, purchases, future acquisitions, and maybe in five years' time, there comes to the point where Jim Ratcliffe has a an avenue to take over control of the club. Which means in the meantime, Manchester United are in purgatory. They're more of the same. More of the same. Very more much so. Same. More of the same, unfortunately for yourself. So what else do you have? That just about does me, I think. Uh, there was a couple of... Um, actually, I did see something else. Uh-huh. Got a headline here. 
Go for it. UEFA and the uh, the ECA, the European Club Association uh-huh. Agency, whatever uh-huh. it is, are reportedly studying a Super League with three divisions to replace the European Cup starting in 2027. Interesting, to say the least. I wonder what Florentino Perez thinks of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I dare say be thinking something, hmm. to say the least. And all that story about how UEFA was so opposed to a Super League, and uh, if you leave the Champions League, you're going to be banned from your local leagues, and we don't want you if you're going to go, yada, yada, yada. The problem is not a Super League. The problem is the UEFA weren't getting cut into the deal. Correct. Uh dear. Of course they do. Two years after revamping the Champions League into this Swiss format that That's we're going right. to see next season. Of course. Correct. Hmm. That's going to work a treat, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'm not going to judge it before we see it. I am. It's, it's bollocks. It's crap. <laughs> but, but that's okay. That's all right. Uh, players of Football Manager will know how that uh, new format's going to work out. Uh, yes. Because yes. Uh, that, that is a part of the, the most recent game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a mess in there. <laughs> it's a bit of a mess, and I'm putting it lightly. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, eight groups of four lads, there's nothing wrong with it. I agree with you. I agree with you, Nathan. Nothing wrong with that. Why are they ripping everything up just to get in four more teams? I understand. I understand. Mm. But, uh, yes, you're right. You're right. Um, what are you looking forward to this weekend? I think the standout has got to be, well, two things. The Australia Cup final, mm-hmm. as well as Arsenal Man City. I think it has to be. Yep. yep. Also in the morning, there's some WSL action. The mm-hmm. backbeggers will know the result already. Yep. But there's a big game on in the morning. Between. Arsenal and Manchester United, of course. That'll be a big one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'll be a big game. I haven't seen whether it's at Old Trafford or Lee Sports Village. Mm-hmm. I hope the game is big enough to be at Old Trafford. Should should be, but I doubt it. Yeah, yeah, but um, the Tribune Derby's on. Oh, yes. Mm. So Juventus, Juventus versus Serena is on this weekend. Big one, indeed. And uh, Granada versus Barcelona, and that's really about it. Really, I mean, aside from Newcastle playing. Going to London and uh, playing against West Ham United, which will be an interesting game. Mm. Likewise, Brighton Liverpool, I think, is on this weekend too. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Wow, Brighton a bit of a weird spot at the moment. They are, aren't they? Yeah, I don't know what to make of them. They're very entertaining. It sometimes may be good, sometimes may be shit. That's the one. Because and the reason why I say that is because they played Marseille this morning in the uh, Europa League. Yeah, and one Chinara Gattuso is the coach, newly installed coach of Marseille. Hmm. They had a all Italian affair in the dugout. Correct. So everything comes back to Gattuso. Yes. <laughs> all rows lead to Gattuso. There you go. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Breaking news, Laz. Yes. Paul Pogba. Yep. Retired. No. Okay. Has tested testosterone doping positive. Sample B. For his backup. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. more than likely facing a four-year ban. Yes. Hopefully he can get it down to two, but yes, I think that's, if he gets punished with four years, I think that's uh, the end of his football career, unfortunately. I think it would be. How old is he, 32? 30 right now. Oh, 30. Okay. I mean, 34, not necessarily the end of it. No. But it's a long time to be away from the game. That's the issue. He, do- he doesn't need the money from playing, I'm sure. I'm sure he's been uh, <sighs> well looked after in terms of the clubs he's played for and the commercial deals he's been able to achieve. I hope so. I know his brother was trying to extort some, um, yeah, some issues there. But, you know, but if this is the uh, the end of the Paul Pogba story as a player, then it is a bit of a sad ending. It is. 
No, it is. If that's the case, it's really sad because it, it was. It's a case of what could have been for very much so. To, you know, Paul Pogba because his career was just much maligned with regard to injury as well. I mean, you know, we saw it last. You know, came back last year at one point or last season toward the end of last season and saw his hammy go again, and you thought, you know, he can't get a break. So yeah, um, yeah, it's really you know really sad to see and. Um, yeah, I hope that um, he isn't penalised too heavily, um, but I suspect he will be. Yeah. Well, that's a bit what else are you looking forward to? That's a bit of a downer, Nathan. It is a little bit. We need to do something else before we wrap up. Yeah, we do. All right. Did you see this from last weekend? Go on. This was in the Finnish First Division. No, I missed it. And I've, you know. <laughs> oh, how could you have missed this? No, listen, funnily enough, I um, have been to Finland and I have... I haven't seen in the like in person Finnish football, but I have seen it on um, uh, on YouTube. Mm. So this is one thing that happened last weekend. Mm-hmm. There was a match between two clubs, VPS and Inter Turku. Yep, they're two of the bigger clubs in Finland. Mm. Um, the Inter Turku goalkeeper, yes, was wasting a bit of time. Right, he picked the ball up mm-hmm. as goalkeepers normally do, mm-hmm. and just held onto it. Mm-hmm. Now the rules say that. They should get rid of it after six seconds. Correct. Never enforced. No. I thought it was eight seconds, but yes, it's six now, yeah. And worst case, they get a yellow card. Correct. Not the case in this instance. What happened? You got a red. No. The referee awarded an indirect free kick inside the box. As the rule should be. Mm. That is the rule, yes. Because it was getting up to maybe 25 seconds or so before mm. the, the goalkeeper was about to release the ball. So the, does the referee issue the yellow and then... Obviously, blows the indirect free kick. I think in this instance, it was just the free kick. Okay, but the keeper probably should have been booked as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, VPS have an indirect free kick from inside the box. Yep, and lo and behold, they score it. Mm-hmm. Amazing! Love the drama of an indirect free kick in the box. That's it. Doesn't happen. The often chaos enough. of it. <laughs> no, it's exactly right. It doesn't happen often enough. It needs to happen more. Mm. Yes, <laughs> it needs to happen more. I agree with it. You know, have all eleven players lined up on the goal line. Have them uh, charge at the uh, at the player, and off you go. I agree. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> more oh, indirect free kicks. More indirect free kicks. The backpegs campaign for more indirect free kicks. Let's see it in the A League yes. as well. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So there you go. You brought a you know you brought a happier note to it. There we go, Laz. And I think we can hit the back peg off the back of that. I think we have hit the back peg, Nathan. There's so much more that we could have gone into this week. Yes. There's, there's, uh, yeah, I think we covered the important stuff today. Mm, we've hit the back peg from an indirect free kick. There you go. <laughs> off the back peg in. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Laz. Thanks, Thank Nathan. you, listener. Thank you to all the listeners. Uh, we've got some guests coming up very soon yes. in the coming episodes. Stay tuned yes. for that. That's right. Enjoy and, the football. Uh, yes, enjoy the football. Thank you very much for your support, and we'll speak to you soon. Take care. Take care, all.